welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Um, that's a really good point that you made there as well. There's, there's God is in everything. Yeah. Absolutely, there's no doubt about that. And there's no separation. There is no secular, sacred divide. Absolutely not. And yes, just the way you've pointed out, it's nice to have those relationships where God seems to be the center. Mm. Um, and while this is not theologically correct, um, God is always there, but sometimes it's more tangible than other times, or it's more uh, elusive, like just a scent. Mm. You can't really pinpoint it, but if you just look at this whole last four hours that I spent with a person, I think there was something there that they where we just somehow connected or they saw Jesus in me. But it's much more like when Sharon hugs you, for the rest of the day you smell like Sharon a little bit. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that will hug you will be like, oh, have you been around Sharon? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's sometimes it's a bit like that. And it again, it's not a evaluation of what is good or bad or better, but I think it takes more conscious effort to encounter Jesus when there is just the scent there rather than where he is just the center um, yeah but but that's it just there's there's grace and there's wisdom how to how us as people that have they are Christ-centered mm. to live in a place that isn't Christ-centered and yet, because we are there, this whole atmosphere is going to smell like us. Yeah, yeah. And just, um, I think we had some good chats, or I spoke hoping to somebody. But to me, it's, I think I was on, on that trip last week already. I'm, I'm on this trip at the moment, where it's, it's really dangerous to separate the attributes of Jesus from the person of Jesus. Um, because then we become Christian philosophers. Now we now we just have a philosophy about what love is, what love isn't, what God is, how we should read the Bible, and it's and these are all good things in themselves because you can find them in Jesus. But as soon as I separate love from the person of Jesus, now I'm defining love the way I think it should look like, rather than actually who Jesus is. And is God is love? Absolutely. But love, God is not defined by love, but love is defined by who God is. Yeah. That's a big difference. Oh, yeah. Patience. Does God is patience. God is peace. But again, it's it says in, in Ephesians, actually, that all the families have derived the names from God the Father. This is crazy. It says, but, um, on Blessings be and praise be to God, the Father, from whom all families in heaven, in the heavens, actually, and on earth, have derived their names. So actually the structure, the family structure that Trinity has in itself, is something that is passed down into the visible. Mm. Um, and, and because you can see stuff in the visible... You can, you can tell of, and this is what Jesus always tried to do. The kingdom of heaven is like this. You know, your father in heaven is like that. And he, he explained it through parables 
um, looking at something that you can grasp that you know and then drawing conclusions as to and this is how your dad is like but actually because your God is like this that's why fathers are like this this is the perfect fatherhood is is not all because as a perfect father you wouldn't do this this and that and therefore God doesn't do those things no it's the other way around because God is the perfect father now we can just mold and shape ourselves according to who he is um, and so everything in life is ah, it's always about this Jesus that, that person of Jesus and it's I've become I've become a champion of Jesus again I'm just really championing him in in his in his humanity in his divinity but in his wholeness as well where um, he says you know I will not condemn you to the woman that is caught in adultery and in the same breath he says and go and sin no more it's it's not like it doesn't matter what you do it's like sin still has consequences but I'm not condemning you it's just it's but if we separate that, you know, is God judge? Is he not judge anymore? All of that, it becomes very dangerous theology because we, we divorce his attributes from who he is as a person. And that's why ah, I, I just love Jesus. It's just, ah. So, so in everything that you do, your, your relationships, again, have them Christ-centered, not just... Christ attributes. Mm. I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And and there's there's times where literally all you do is your presence is enough. And then there's times when Holy Spirit gives you some wisdom to to speak into a situation. And then there's times when you very clearly preach the gospel and say, you know, this is not good and this is good. This is what God has for you. This is his freedom that he's inviting you into, and you also can partake of this freedom. Would you like to get to know him? Yeah. It's and and I love this. There's again, there's no um, there's yeah, there's no unhealthy judgment of what is good, what isn't good, what is holy, what isn't, or what a Christian should do or shouldn't do. I love the book of Esther, for example. Take the there's not once is God mentioned as one who intervenes in that story. It's just like God in the book of Esther, he's the one that put Esther there. He's the one that saved a whole nation, thus ensuring that Jesus actually is going to be born later on through Israel. And yet not once does God speak audibly as you know as he does in the word of the Lord came to so and so and an angel appeared or something no it was just Mordecai the uncle Esther uh, and those are the two primarily um, and Esther wasn't really as far as we know she didn't have much of a relationship with God she may or may not have but it was more her uncle that just continuously just en encouraged her and then and then she came to the point where she had to make the decisions like yeah I'm going to lay down my life for my people. But at no point did God ever speak as far as we know. But he was always there. And his will was always done. I love this. And then there's other books in the Bible where, man, God, 
you know, he, he just annoys people as kings, he takes them down, he just, he speaks very clearly, lightning, fire, earthquakes, you know, just like the whole shebang, and it both is God. Mm. So I don't want you to, to feel like, oh man, like every in- encounter that I have needs to lead to, are you washing the blood of the lamb? It's, yeah. it's not like that. No, no. Um, yeah. And yet you'll know when Holy Spirit says, now, now is the time, now is the time. And then you know when you're chicken out and you're like, ah, I don't know why it's still a weird thing for me to bring Jesus in this conversation yeah. when he's actually already in it. Yeah. Um, and that's just something that we'll have to get used to, I guess, a bit more. And yeah. Cool. Is anything on your hearts? that you feel like, I would love to hear about this today. I would love to um, talk about this. Because I've got stuff in my heart that I want to share with you guys, but it may, oh, hello. But it may not be actually what you need to hear at the moment. I have just one question, but it's not a topic to preach about. Um, It's just I read, the story of Jesus last weekend and good and um, the finally angel... three months into the school ministry <laughs> <laughs> um, no it's uh, Jesus so the angel is talking to Joseph and says to him uh, you get a son and you should call him Emmanuel mm-hmm. and why is Joseph not calling him Emmanuel but Jesus What did the angel say to Mary? I don't know at the moment. <laughs> um, this is very clearly. You shall you shall name him Jesus. <coughs> and uh, th- again, this is not theology. This is more humor. But you know who won the argument? Whose name this kid is gonna have? The mother or the father? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because both had an angel appear. <laughs> and yes, Joseph is like, all right, Mary, if you feel like it's got to be Jesus, it's Jesus. Can't call him Emmanuel. Um, the thing is, when the angel, I'm just trying to find it right now. It's Matthew 1, 23, right? There's, there's lots. Um... But if you, depending on which um, gospel you read it in. And, um, becoming more relevant, you know, even just like they're talking about metal horses that spew fire. And I'm thinking this may be tanks, you know, and back then they just didn't know what tanks are, so the best way to describe what they saw was a metal horse that spews fire. Yeah. Um, and so I'm thinking, oh, okay, there's there's a lot there. Um, now, my, my problem with all of this was, uh, I got so 
so obsessed with trying to figure out the the mechanics of the future, if I can put it this way, that I that I couldn't see the person of Jesus in the future. Mm. Yeah, I knew at the end he was going to come, and um, I was going to be the one that stands there and he's going to say, "Timo, well done," and he's going to just chop everybody else's head off that hasn't bowed down to him at that point. And that felt very good because, you know, feels a bit, um, he's justifying me. Finally, you know, just like all my friends will see that I was right, they were wrong, you know, they shouldn't have laughed at me, they should have maybe just listened a bit more to who I am, don't they know, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and then I came across Jonathan Welton, who has um, a very hopeful approach to end times, um, to the point where he believes there's no rapture which actually I think I'm probably at that point as well, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't subscribe to everything that Jonathan um, teaches. But bottom line is, I wanna put it this way. If your future, this is eschatology, that's the word for it, your, um, your theology of the end times. So if anybody talks about the eschatology, this is what it is. Okay. If your eschatology is not hopeful, it's not of Jesus. Full stop. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Uh, it needs to be hopeful. Even in Matthew 24, when he, and I believe he predicted just the, the destruction of Jerusalem and all of that, it's like, guys, there's going to be bad stuff coming. So blessed, you know, it'd be just blessed is the woman that isn't pregnant because, man, it's, it's going to be tough and it's going to be even tougher for pregnant women. All of that. But there was a hope. It's like, I'm already not just warning you, but I'm letting you know where things are at. And, um, and yeah, hope, hope, hope. So, so in my, in my past endeavors, trying to figure out the exact um, sequence of when each bowl is going to be poured out, when each um, plague is going to come and what it does to humanity and, and the, the trumpets and all of this, and what it's actually going to look like. <clears throat> If it's not hopeful, you have not understood it correctly yet. Because my Jesus is excited about the future. Mm. He's not vengeful. He's not like, yeah, it's going to all that. The world is going to go to hell in a handbasket and I'll show them at the end and they'll be sorry. This is not my Jesus. He is hopeful. So, so if I don't have this hopeful interpretation, revelation of the book of Revelation, I don't have the truth yet. And and so I just, I would leave you with that tension of does the world get better? Does it get worse? What is it? I'm, I'm just asking, can you see hope in all of this? And if you cannot see hope, then you've lost sight of Jesus. And that's quite easily done watching the news because news are always just bad news. Mm. But but even just, I, I, I read that, I don't watch them, I read the news. Um, my news feed every day and and I need to be I'm always checking myself what does it do inside of me especially with Trump I mean I don't think any any world leader in the history of humanity has ever had that much media coverage the German news cover more about Trump than they do about the German politics at times it's it's outrageous 
and I need to check my heart that I'm not in a place where I become cocky or judge him or it's almost a bit like entertainment. What has he done this week that I can shake my head at or roll my eyes at or just, it's like, no, this, my Jesus has a wall of honor around Trump. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and so does, does he still want to engage, correct? Absolutely. And yet, um, so, so there's always hope. That's what I'm trying to say. So when Jesus looks at whatever situation there is, whether it's in Afghanistan, whether it's in Syria, in Jordan, it doesn't matter. Even in Manchester right now, there's hope. Mm. And, uh, and if I cannot see hope, then I've allowed the circumstances to... Um, Psalms, I think it's Psalm, what is it? Psalm 100. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, Lord, creator of heaven and earth. Now, the mountains, back then, those were the high places. This is where, if there ever was idol worship, it was always happening on the high places. This is, um, when you read through the Old Testament, the kings that went off the rail, they always built the high places. And after one or two bad kings, there was always going to be a good king again, or a good judge. And they tore down those high places. They were always talking about the high places. It's like, this is where the idol worship was happening. But, so this is one interpretation of that. Another one is just simply, these are all the bits that seem very overwhelming. There's massive mountains in front of me. And I lift my eyes up to all those things. Where does my help come from? I'm not looking to those for solution for my help, but my help comes from you, Lord. And uh, so right in that situation, can you, like, take, take Manchester, for example. Can you grieve and yet be hopeful at the same time? Because I think you need to. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because if you cannot, then, ah, uh, uh, and that's why, yeah, I, anyway, so hope. And so, so for your eschatology, I would say allow Jesus to infuse hope in everything that we you know when you read the Bible, especially like I've intentionally have not read the book of Revelations in the last five years now, um, just because I don't feel it's for me at the moment. I'm reading Leviticus right now, you know, the most boring book in the Bible. But, um, the, but there's Jesus in it for me at the moment. I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there might be a day again when he says, Timo, now it's time just to look at Revelations again. But, but it's that. just Because if I, if I do believe in a rapture and everything is going to shift, then actually I'll almost celebrate the decay of humanity and the world because it right. means that Jesus is coming back sooner. Mm. It means that I don't invest myself either. It means that actually this prayer, let your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, isn't really one that I'm praying. But when I see that actually his original task that he's given to humanity in Adam and Eve and says, guys, look after this place. Subdue it. Lord over it, but in a way that I would. And his lordship is always one where everything prospers. And so I do believe that as Christians, we need to be very, very involved in um, politics. Um, 
economics, whether it's um, anything. And, uh, and it's always hard because most of human approaches approach out of a place of reaction. So Greenpeace, for example, um, absolutely good, 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 good intentions. You know, we need to protect our planet. But, but in this protection now, I'm just, I'm becoming very militant. I'm becoming very hateful toward everybody that doesn't see it like that. Um, you can see feminism is a, is a bit like that as well. There's just, there's been, the, the female gender has been so oppressed by us guys for, well, for all of humanity. And now just what happened in Christ where Paul says, now there's neither male nor female in Christ. There's neither slave nor free man, Greek nor Jew. We're all one. There's really, there's no difference. But God still has made us differently. He's like he's made us guys a bit stronger than girls, but he made girls a bit more empathetic than guys, or just they, they, they sense more stuff. Us guys were a little bit slow when it comes to feeling things, just generally speaking. And uh, but now, um, in in an attempt to just like. We need to be equal because actually there's this good desire, good understanding inside. Even the people that don't know Jesus, like, but we have been created equally. Like there is something about that, this, that justice in God's eyes where he's like, yes, exactly. When I talked to Adam, it was always Adam and Eve. It was never just the man. It was just like, I mean the both of you. It's, it's just, it's always that. Um, But the reaction, often because it comes out of a place of pain, frustration, or or something, is um, well, any reaction usually is a bad one. Um, and and the pendulum then swings in the other way and becomes violent, or it becomes militant, or fundamentalistic, and whatever it is. And uh, and so just it's really funny. Like Ruth and I, my wife and me, we just talk about especially that. Um, feministic approach that's happening in humanity at the moment and and we don't have a concept for it because I'm not lording over my wife and telling her what she can or cannot do like I'm the one that cleans the dishes as much as her you know I'm the one that puts as much laundry in as her at the moment she cooks more than me because I'm, I'm away more than she is but these are just it's never because oh you're the woman you're supposed to do this so for us, there's never a, even the need for her to react to anything because there's no oppression there. Um, and, and so even like our, our approach to end times, if it's a reaction to, I'm so afraid of the world, I'm hiding until Jesus comes and then he's going to rapture me out and then, and then Jesus can judge the world because I just don't want to have anything to do with it. That reaction is very unhealthy. Um, but if you understand that Jesus really has come to save the world, uh, you're going to get a heart for it. the world, the people living on it, the animals. You may not turn into a vegan. I'm not a vegan. Yeah, but I can understand people that have turned vegan because they, they look at how um, animals are being kept and say, this is not, this is not good by any standard. So all that has to do with your eschatology. Like, if you believe that Jesus is coming back and he actually 
I don't know if you ever read Revelations, but there's going to be a time where the enemy is bound for a millennium, for a thousand years. And there's and people are going to grow older again, that they're here. And says, if, if somebody dies at the age of 100, um, he'll be considered young. It's like, whoa, he died young. You know, people just, there's going to be the rule of Christ physically on this planet. And after these thousand years, after the enemy is, is put in chains, um, and then he's going to be released for a short time again. Why? I really don't know how, how it's going to look. I don't know. I don't care. But Jesus is not burning down this planet. So I don't think we should. And so in terms of does the world get better or worse, I believe it has a lot to do with who's been put in charge or who's been left in charge. And last thing that I heard Jesus say to his disciples, like, now go, tell the world the good news, look after this planet. This is, you know, just, just everything. So long answer, maybe not, not exactly hitting the point that that's bothering you at the moment, but bottom line is there needs to be hope. And if there's no hope, then um, I'm pretty certain you'll fall off one. <laughs> we have the saying, falling off one side of the horse in Germany. It's just like, it's just, you know, there's balance in Jesus, but either side, you either, either become too liberal, yeah, it's all right, everything goes, or you become too aggressive, too militant, and uh, condemn everybody that doesn't see it exactly like you do. Yeah. All right, yo. But actually, this brings me to a really good point. I want to talk a bit about hope. Um, and this this thing that actually he is the God of hope. That's that's just his nature. Yeah, you can you can throw him into the worst circumstances, and he sits there smiling, grinning. This just God is not blind to the evil that's happening on this planet right now today. Like without sounding too crude, but right now somebody probably gets raped. Somebody is probably being murdered right now. There's people, there's kids, they go into bed and they cannot sleep because they're too hungry. This is all tragedy and this is all the pain and the suffering that's happening right now. And God sees that. And somehow he has the ability to empathize and just be, and, and his heart breaks with the people's hearts, absolutely. And at the same time, there's never hopelessness that overwhelms him. Because I think hopelessness very quickly leads to um, either depression or cynicism. It's, it's usually those two. Depression in a, in a sense of just, I'm giving up, it's hopeless, I'm not, um, it's not worth it, or I'm not worth it, or just I'll always be in this place, what's the point? Or cynicism, which is very vocal um, and shoots down any idea that um, comes from a place of excitement or hope, and it often is disguised as wisdom. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, I tried that. Well, let you know, just you grow up. You'll see one day. It doesn't work. And just like it's all cynicism. It just like doesn't give the plant room to grow. It's just like as soon as there it sees a seed of hope anywhere, it rips it up. But our God is hope Himself. He says in Psalm 2, 
that he who sits in heaven laughs. It's just like he sees he sees the uproar of the nations and he laughs. He's like, this is going to be great. He, he looked at the depravity of humanity and he says, ah, oh, but there's still hope. There's all throughout the Old Testament, you can read Israel being sent into exile, and he's like, Bam, there's going to be a remnant. Elijah running away from Jezebel, saying, complain to God, I'm the only one that follows you. God's like, no, 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 there's 7,000 left. There's, you know, there's, there's always hope. God is always hopeful. There's, just, there's not one situation where God is not, not hopeful. And um, it's Steve Backland, I'm, I'm sure Phil talk to you guys about Stephen because Steve is, is was um, Phil's mentor and Steve and Wendy say if there's any area in your life that isn't glistening with hope you're believing a lie in that's a big deal any area in your life that isn't glistening with hope yeah it's like ah oh, how's your future doing oh great how's your health doing woo you know how's your marriage doing yes just how your finances are and it's, it's not it's not pretending to be something that you're not this is not what it is but is there hope Sharon I'm told this story once where she realized oh that that's when she realized that there's a change that happened and uh, there's a letter that came through and it turns out it's a bill from the bank and in the past as soon as there's the a bill came there was a bit of a bracing yourself let's see how much it is let's see what it's for and let's see whether we can afford it if we have the money and that when she opened that letter the only thing before she could even read what the letter is was an excitement it's like jesus i wonder what you're going to do now mm. and that's that's when she realized flipping heck the situation hasn't changed i'm not denying that i need to pay some money but hope there's just hope in it and it's not hope because I'm deciding to be hopeful. It's hope because he is hopeful. That's just fundamentally. And I want to I want to say something like that. And um, I'm not speaking from a place of complete perfection in this area because I'm. This is something that I'm working through um, almost daily. But there's no such thing as a hopeless situation. If you have a yeah, but in your heart, I want to tell you in this area, you, you're believing a lie. And it's quite easy to nod your head right now. But when you're stuck in a situation or just, you know, there's unhealthy patterns in your life or sinful things where you feel like I've given them to God so many times and I still don't feel like actually there's a breakthrough of freedom. It's quite quickly, it's easy to give up hope or to settle for, well, that's just what it's going to be like. But he's like, no, there's no such thing as a hopeless situation. And it's, it's again, like, can you see the potential in every situation? Can you see the potential in every person? Because God can. Mm. And to me, that's a constant challenge because you sit in the pub with your non-Christian friends and uh, then the bitching starts about politics, about the school system, about another person about whatever happens about the terrorists now after what happened in manchester and uh and it's not about denying the reality or pretending what happened that didn't happen that's that would be silly it's about it's staring reality in the face and then saying but 
I know the God of hope. That's, ah, that changes everything inside of you. When you get whatever report you get, and it's a bad one, and you stare at it, and you submit it to God, it's like, this is, this is what reality looks like right now. I need to see your hope in this. Just full stop. Ephesians 2, um, if you want to open it, it's, it's, it's an awesome chapter, but it starts really, really bad. I'm just going to read it to you. Ephesians 2, starting at verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Yeah. So the first three verses in chapter 2, they're bad. Yeah. Paul just paints a picture of darkness. Guys, life was bad. The situation was bad. This is just, and you were children of wrath. And then what does verse 4 start with? But God so rich. Yes! Is he? But God. This is the nature of hope. This is the essence of hope. But God. It's like, this is what it looks like. But God. And hopelessness says this believes this lie that even God does not make a difference anymore. But when you know the God of hope, you can stare these situations in the face and inside of you there's going to be this truth that's going to rise up and says, but God. That's hope. Oh, life is really bad, but God. Your situation is really, really terrible, but God. It is as simple as that. This is the essence of hope. Just but God. But God. Ah. Does it make sense? Yes. Yes? Okay. Hope is not just your choice to believe something, but it's a confident expectation. It's, let's put it this way. You'll be surprised if it works out any other way. That's what hope is. This morning I can bet that none of you check the chair that you sat on, whether it's actually going to hold you or not. You probably all sat down. Timo, right now you're very relaxed. You're just sitting back like this. You, and none of you are bracing yourself for the, for the instance or just in case the chair might break. It would completely surprise you if the chair would break. None of you are making... Um, uh, backup plans or having any sort of preparations for just in case this doesn't happen I'll do that with a chair you only choose one chair you didn't choose two chairs just in case one breaks you didn't check the legs beforehand but this is exactly what we do with life because we don't know that God is good we have our oh if this doesn't happen then you can always do that there's, there's always this but, but this confidence, this hope that comes from God, not a hope that we, ah, I hope it's raining tomorrow, but who knows, I better take an umbrella anyways. That's not hope. That's oh, trying to 
foretell the future, even if it's just about the weather. But hope is this confident expectation. Hope is, is it's not even on my radar to think anything but that one thing. And, um, and this is something where Holy Spirit is going to lead you into this, into this transformation more and more. Where you realize that actually, I probably still am making too many backup plans. I'm still having too many yeah, what ifs or yeah, buts. Um, I'm still thinking about, I'm still checking the chair. Uh, you know, when he says go and pray for somebody or just simple things like, hey, your future is all right. Don't worry about it. It's like, is this enough? And can I trust him that he's going to let me know step by step? And again, if there's an area in your life that isn't glistening with hope, in this area, I'm believing a lie about God. Mostly that he's not faithful and that he's not good. What I'm actually accusing God of is lying. That's really... Every area that I'm that I'm not hopeful in, I'm actually accusing God of not being truthful. That needs to make a massive difference in us. I'm just going to read you a couple of verses because because they're just really good. Uh, you can write them down. Romans fifteen verse thirteen. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? Mm-hmm. May the God of hope fill you with all joy in believing, with a joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope. There's when you enter the room, are people glad? Because, whoa, just this person, there's always going to be something. Most non-Christians have put it this way. Oh, you're just a positive person. Yeah, but you know that actually it's, it's hope that's inside of you. Um, does it make a difference whether you're in the room or not in the room? Um, and if it, if it makes a difference, hopefully it makes a good difference rather than a bad difference. But I'm, I'm telling you, there's people that suck the life out of a situation because they come in and they're already seeing the negative stuff because they do not know who God is. They believe so many lies about themselves and about God that they cannot see that he's the hope, that there's no abundance of hope, no bubbling over of hope. Psalm 9 verse 10. And for those who know your name will put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Just like that, I can put my trust in God. Psalm 71, verse 5. You are my hope, O Lord God. You are my confidence from my youth. Just like it's the faithfulness of God. It's the steadfastness, the reliability of God. Romans 5, 5. Everybody knows that one. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The hoping that comes out of the, out of the human heart, that disappoints at times. I'm hoping it's not raining, it happened. I'm hoping my wife doesn't leave me, it happened. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. That's not divine hope. But hope that is rooted in the God of hope, that can never disappoint. 
And I think I talked to you guys about peace last time at the time before, about Philippians 4, 7. And God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort it is, that peace, which transcends all understanding, shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now that's the amplified version, that's a lot more. But that peace that surpasses your understanding shall guard your heart and mind in Christ. It's that peace. But here it says, I love this. That peace, that tranquil state of soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God. Because actually, when I don't have hope, I am fearing that God is not consistent in his um, in his personality and his approach and his his ways toward me. The Germans have a song: "Everything has an end except the sausage." It's got two. Yeah, we believe everything comes to an end. Everything is limited. We sing about the love of God, His love and yours forever, but we don't believe it because if we would truly believe it, there would be just hope. But I believe that the favor of the Lord comes to an end, and therefore I have to be afraid. And I have to worry, because what if tomorrow something breaks? What if it doesn't work out the way he promises us? And actually what I'm singing is, God, your faithfulness does not endure forever. God, your love does not endure forever. Sooner or later, even your goodness comes to an end. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm the God of all hope. I love this. This is one of my favorite, favorite scriptures. I even have it tattooed on my arm. Zechariah 9 verse 12. Now return to your stronghold, you prisoners of hope. I love this. Or another verse says, you who have been imprisoned into hope. Just, just, just picture that. Like God created this prison called hope. And he's thrown you into this prison and he's locked the key and he's thrown the key away. In fact, you know, in a cartoon, you can just erase the doors. It's like there's no, not even a door to get out of that prison anymore. You are a prisoner of hope. Like no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter where you're at, there's always going to be hope. You're imprisoned into hope. That's, that's a fundamental approach to life that's going to change. Hope does not disappoint and that's John 8 32 you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free I just that's why I I love this book the Bible ponder truth read it listen to podcasts just listen to sermons just exchange hey I've been thinking about this what do you think but bottom line is just like feed yourself on the truth ponder the truth even if it doesn't make sense yet even if you don't understand it because Mary when when the angel came to Mary and talked to her about Jesus she didn't understand she just knew that was right she didn't understand she pondered those things in her heart and only at the um, at the wedding to Cana is when Mary actually finally understood who her son is but that's another story where she then says come on Jesus now you do it 
Um, but, but seriously, pondering truth leads to hope. It's that, just what do you fill yourself with? Filling yourself with truth, because then you can, you can confront every situation, but, but the thing that guards your heart, guards your mind, is that peace of God, is that truth. So you see stuff in the news, you hear things that your friends are talking about, and there's just this truth that, that and out of that truth there's hope that bubbles up inside of you. It just, it always will be like that. Ha. Yeah. It's very cheesy, and there's postcards about it, but it's true nonetheless. Hope is the ability to hear the music of the future. It's that. I love this. Hope is the ability to hear the music of the future. And faith is the courage to dance to it today already. Like I know something is coming and that's why I've got hope, it excites me. But now faith, there's courage that now engages with that hope. And even though nobody else sees it yet, nobody else hears the music yet, I'm already doing a dance. I'm not waiting until everybody else hears it as well, but I can hear it. This is what hope is. Have you, have you, do you know the story of Elijah and the droughts and Mount Carmel and Jezebel and the 400 priests of Baal? Yeah, everybody, or do I need to give a bit of context? Can you give a bit of context, please? Okay. So, um, bad king Ahab, evil king, marries an even worse queen, Jezebel, and, uh, She's, um, she's a foreigner and she worships Baal and she brings all the Baal priests in and she actually kills all the prophets of the Lord. And uh, King Ahab is just as wicked. And uh, in, in the midst of it, Elijah gets raised up as a prophet and he is, him and King Ahab are like arch nemesis. So, um, <clears throat> and then um, the, the prophet Elijah just pronounces on behalf of God, there's going to be a drought from now on. So um, then he flees because all of Israel is actually um, devastated. He actually flees into the land of the Philistines where he's with that widow um, that has the son. And there's a miracle that's happening where the, the oil in the jar and the flour in the jar never run out for three years. It's just crazy. God just keeps providing. It's the same kid that dies later on. And Elijah um, then prays for him and he raises the kid up from the dead. So so all this is happening. And God says then um, to, to Elijah, now it's time to go back to Israel. And uh, it's, gonna, it's a big showdown. This is Hollywood kind of material. So they meet on Mount Carmel. And, uh, and it's... It's the mountain that was dedicated to Baal. Yeah. So this is a home game for the priests of Baal. So and and Elijah just puts this test um, to the people, and then he knows if God doesn't come through, it's going to cost him his life. But the test is whoever, whichever God answers by fire, let him be Lord. So he says, guys, um, everybody gets the same things. Everybody has um, an altar and an ox, 
and uh, we're going to pray to our God and that God that answers by fire. We're not going to light fire to the offering, but uh, we're going to expect God to send down fire from heaven. Let that be the one that Israel serves. And he says, but priests of Baal, you get to go first. So they do the whole um, dancing, shouting, chanting all night, all day long. And um, Elijah actually mocks them. It's really funny. And then it's Elijah's turn. So nothing happens. And it's Elijah's turn. And he prepares the, um, the bull. He takes 12 stones representing each tribe of Israel, just reminding them, this is, I'm doing this on your behalf. I'm reminding the people of Israel that there is a God. And he puts the, um, the oxen on top of it. And then he digs a trench that wasn't necessary, but just he wants to make a point. He digs a trench around the altar, and then he lets um, the trench and the altar be completely drenched in water. So this this is completely impossible. And then he prays, a prayer that lasts for not more than five seconds. Like, God, show yourself to these people. And then there's fire just licks up everything. It doesn't just like, doesn't burn up the offering. No, it consumes even stones and all the water is gone. Everything just whoop. So all of it realizes this is God. And they, they kill the, the, the 400 Baal's priests. And, um, but then there's still a drought. And Elijah then says, um, now it's time for the drought to end. And he prays. And what he does, I need to show this to you guys because this, it, it, otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, can you see down here? Okay. So, so this is the floor. Okay. <laughs> so he's he's on a mountain, and uh, Elijah just has the word from God. Okay. This one promise: the drought is finishing now. What do you need for the drought to finish? You need rain. Where does rain come from? Clouds. Yeah? Very, very simple. So he's up there with his um, with his servant. And it says actually, Elijah prayed and he has his head in between his knees. There's no chance for him to look at any of the circumstances. He prays like this. Okay? He cannot, he cannot focus on any of these circumstances around it. It's his head between his knees, and this is how he prays. Whether he's like that, whether he kneels, and just has his head like that, doesn't really matter. Head between your knees. And then, he sends his, his um, servant, and the servant said, there's nothing there. Elijah does not move. Head between his knees. Because he has this word from God that he will provide the rain. <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure that and then and then and then the um, <clears throat> the the servant goes again, comes back and says, Still no still no rain, still no nothing. And then Elijah still has his head between his this is happening. Elijah does not move, head between his knees. Until his servant comes back, says there's a cloud as big as a fist. Nothing, nothing, just tiny, as big as a fist, nothing, almost irrelevant. And Elijah says, this is it. 
We need to hurry because it's about to rain. God has given you guys some promises. And uh, while this, it doesn't say that, this is what I'm reading into this story. Elijah protected himself from looking at circumstances that might distract him from that blessed assurance, from that certainty of hope that when God says it, because when I look at the circumstances, they mock the promises of God. They say, nope, there's no rain. Nope, there's no cloud. And they, oh, now there's a little cloud, but what can a little cloud do? Nothing. Elijah refused to allow any of this stuff to come and undermine his faith. And that's something that, that's, that's a challenge that you guys have. Does the peace of God really guard your heart and mind and keep it in Christ? Are you allowing other things to come in to influence you and thus undermine that trust, that hope that you have in God? Or just John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. Yeah. When she was pregnant, she removed herself from everybody else because she was late. Uh, she was uh, not late. She was, don't know how old she was, old. And, uh, and almost like to protect herself from anybody that wanted to come and give a bit of wisdom. Ah, but, you know, pregnancy at that, at that age can be very dangerous, can be very difficult. Are you sure you're actually pregnant? You haven't been pregnant all these years. I don't think it's going to happen. Just removed herself completely to protect herself from any influence that isn't born out of hope. Elijah, head between his knees. I'm not going to look at anything because all that around there, if I, if I take my eyes and take them onto the mountains, I will just completely lose hope. But my hope is in the Lord. Where does my help come from? My help comes from you, Lord. Have you heard Tony's story of the um, bucket of paint that, hasn't, that he just finished work with? Yeah. Where Alan just talks about this. And I just, uh, I love it. What did Tony do? He refused to look into the bucket. It's like, okay, this is a word from the Lord. But I know that as soon as I check with the facts, with reality, that reality will scream at me so loud that the hope of God will be completely squashed. And, and God has given you guys promises whether it's just in your heart, whether it's through prophetic words, it doesn't really matter, but he's giving you promises for your life. And they can only grow in hope. And it's, it, I want to put it this way. You are the gardener of these promises. And it's how you look after those promises, whether they actually, that, that determines whether they're going to blossom or whether the reality is going to squish and squash them. That's what Jesus said about the, the seeds that are being sown into the four different soils. And for some people, the, the seeds come up, but the thorns, the worries of this world, the doubts, they just squash the life out of them. And, and I believe this is what hope is, is to, despite what the circumstances look like, to hold fast 
God has promised because he is faithful. Amen. 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 So that I pray that you would um, that you would teach us what it means to walk in hope. I pray that you would guide us and and really um, teach us to be sensitive where we have taken our eyes off you and I started looking at circumstances. Father, I want to say I'm sorry for where I've um, put too much weight onto what reality and circumstances look like compared to your promises. And I bless you guys with that faith that comes from God, that hope that comes from him that is um, unshakable, that is un. A relenting hope that does not disappoint. I bless you guys to be the most hopeful people whenever you enter the room. I, I bless you guys for people to be relieved when you come into the room because they know now hope has entered the room as well. I bless you guys in your own life to walk in that hope continuously, even in areas where you felt until now, I'm not sure if this ever will change. I bless you guys with a hope that does not birth out of you guys, but has birthed out of who he is, the God of hope, who fills you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in the hope in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Destiny Podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk